0: There is nothing better than a nice, good win, and there's no second-place prize. So don't let them in. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is only days away from that one day in September. And we are here to break down the fallout from two huge prelim funnels, preview, of course, the big game, and provide some value picks to make your Grand Funnel Party all the more interesting. But first, this podcast is brought to you by the Sporting Chances Grand Funnel Breakfast. So the champagne will be flowing from 10 a.m. onwards. On the uh, Saturday morning, we have Comrade Marshall down, the best-selling author of Yellow and Black to talk all things footy fandom, what to do when your team makes the granny, what to do when your team doesn't make the granny, and they probably should have this year, and of course, we'll be premiering our first documentary, Grassroots Footy Finley*. So it'll be a fantastic way to kick off your grand final day, 10 a.m. onwards, at the Yorkshire Hotel, that is on the corner of Langridge and Hull Street in Abbotsford, and of course, There'd be no better place to hang around afterwards and watch the big game as well. All right, speaking of big games, we've got a big pies fan next to me right now. Welcome to the Pod, Baz. And how are you finding Grand Final week? Hey,
1: mate. Uh, yeah, I'm finding Grand Final week okay because I've got no expectations at the moment. I'm still pretty happy after last Friday night, and I just haven't. I haven't really. I've been listening to a lot of uh, footy shows this week and. You know, trying to get as much information as I can, plus my own thoughts, I suppose. But I'm not really get I'm not really sold on us winning it yet. So I haven't been sold on. That's why I haven't given you any stick. To be honest, I did not think we'll win last week, and I didn't back my own team in. So why should I give you a stick about it? And a few other Richmond supporters, I've kept being pretty quiet. But uh, yeah, I'm just keeping it on the D line until probably the first bounce, and then my full kind of nuffy side will kick in. And I'm going to a barbecue on Saturday and I've been told I'm going to be inside with the TV and then i watch through the window so they don't have to sit with me. So that's good. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. So
0: you mentioned there the results of last week. It's time for our favourite game for the second last time this year. Massive collect, or bad beat. Two games which are perfect for this game. This is this is the, the questions around both the prelim results. Friday night, obviously Richmond, 58 measly points. My boys got done. Absolutely cooked. By the Clymwood Magpies, 97. Obvious question, Baz. Was it a massive collect for your boys or a terrible beat for mine?
1: I think it was a massive, massive collect. Not a terrible beat, but a bad beat. So obviously Collingwood's been playing some good footy. Everyone's writing us off, you know. Tell us, top wouldn't make, you know, haven't beaten any top eight teams. You know, we're just making up numbers, blah blah blah. And we've, you know, disposed of JWS. We're pretty, you know, we're good for three and a bit quarters against our. Uh, West Coast in the qualifying final and then we just played unbelievable football on Friday night We were helped out a bit by some you know fumbling you know Richmond players that usually don't fumble and a bit of a stubbornness from the coach I think in the end you know you back your systems in and I understand why they do that because you know even under 9 they will be backing our systems and stuff and you're backing your players against other other players but someone had to go to steal the side bottom and they had to play you know Grimes on to go straight up. Just little things that... I know that they, you know, their system is in a zone so that whoever rolls around you know, picks up the, the, the forward and that's how they work. But they just had to make a couple of hard... Choices, yeah. Hard choices. And, you know, Collingwood play a similar sort of system. Not the same, but it is similar in, in a lot of ways. Same as Melbourne. They've got similar sort of systems, but sometimes I think you just got to take, take, take a hit and say, look, all right, still... Let's tag him, because he had 41 touches in it. At that sort of rate, if you gave him 41 touches, I think he went over 80% by foot.
0: Yeah, 80% by foot, 41 touches, and he had about 500 uh, metres gain. So all in all, he com- just completely smashed it. But the
1: thing, yeah. that, the thing that's annoyed me the most about this, this uh, like after we beat them, is people were blaming, you know, Richmond went up for it, the break, you know, blo- bloke sick, bloke injured, whatever. But hang on, they played the game, so they're 100% in they take the field. We we're the better side of the night. Can we just get some credit for the pies, please? So, mm. we smashed them at their own game. We, you know, we all year they've been ranked eighteenth at clearances, uh, uh, and we just smashed them. We used our advantage, and it's it's pretty much what's going to ha- You know, the, the thing that's going to help us win this week is we used our advantage in the midfield because we had a very strong midfield. We had a lot of blokes that run through there. You know, size stepped up. You know, they showed some numbers last night on the couch. You know, he's. His inside game is better than anyone. Uh, Josh Kennedy, etc. at the same point, like Cripps and that as well, at the same point in his career. So he's an animal. Our foreline can be you know, pretty dangerous. Our backline, yeah, still probably missing a few key players in that show with Jack Rowe kicking five. But yeah, just I think we played some pretty good footy and we exploited Richmond's weaknesses.
0: Absolutely. So I mentioned a couple of things there which I'll touch on. So first off, I think... Jimmer got significantly out-coached, or the recent coaching staff got consistently out-coached by the common coaching staff. Is this just the same thing of Bucks has always been a good coach, but now he finally has A, the list, B, a little bit of luck, and see the results to prove it? Or is it just a case of we can't say he's a good coach until he finally gets a flag?
1: No. You've seen every week that he adapts his game style a little bit, and he tries to exploit the weaknesses of the opposition team whether they can you know, implement the game plan they've been trying to do this for two or three years even Paul said the other night and Paul has probably been one of the bigger of brushes about um, game style and how they want to play and stuff he said the other night that they've been trying to implement these sorts of systems for the last two or three years back to when he coached but it's just taken this long to get the right players to get it together mm. so I don't know why he's been saying he didn't understand what what Collin stood for all these times, but obviously that's his role in the media. Look, I think Bucks is a good coach. I think he's finally got some luck. Obviously, not really luck, because we've still got a lot of injuries, mm. but he's got a better playing list. We've got some speed. He's obviously, And he's got a lot of assistants that help him out. Like, I've heard a fair bit this week about uh, Longyear. So he's obviously been helpful. Sanderson, Harvey, those sorts of blokes. And, you know, he's coach of the year now. But there is one little blot on that award, and that's the fact that... Uh, was the Clarkson's never won coach of the year.
0: Yeah. Did you know But uh, I think he's also beyond that. He's beyond coach of the year. Yeah, he's a god. He's a god. Yeah. He's a coach. He's, he's the don, and then there's just the other ones, the mere mortals that exist outside of that. All right, one of his key choices last week, that was Bucks, was uh, playing Cox as a focal point. And obviously that adjustment to go, instead of trying to kick it on his head like he did against West Coast the first time in the qualifying final, is to do that three-quarter kick and let him do what he can do really well now, which is lead and jump. And hit the ball at its highest point. Did we overreact at all to Cox's performance, though? Because there was a lot of "Oh my god!" and Americans doing this in our game, or was it legitimately a match-destroying performance?
1: We took second most contested marks in a final ever, yeah. So it was pretty good. He did play pretty well we, with Richmond's game plan of that you know long kick down the line that you know intercept or bring the ball to ground and. Fo- if a bloke can take a big contested mark like he can, then it kind of puts their game plan out of whack. And he took eight of them. And he took a few of them inside that thirty minute, you know, zone where he can have a shot on goal, and, and he, he kicked straight this week, which was good. And I just think that again, that rolling zone that they had. That you know, he did some good body work on Rance. He he's good leading patterns as we've seen. Or everyone's seen the behind the goal footage now. But yeah, there's a few things. You know, while was. Why were Richmond allowing to run into that? Because they kept that space open, that, that leading zone. So what they should have been plugging that hole and making it harder for him. But he was jumping over blokes. And when he de- does that, it's like Brownie from uh, North Melbourne. When they run and jump the ball, and get there, no one's going to be able to spoil them. Mm. And if they do, it's generally chopping the arms. So, But, yeah, a lot of people are wrong about Coxie.
0: Uh, yeah, but one person was very right, and that's yours truly... Look it up. It was one of our very first episodes we ever did on one of the odds, and I just thought he's going to be a very important player since the departure of Cloak, and not to replace him, but to give to give you guys some structure, give you a focal point, and at the very least, when in doubt, you can just kick that that dumb kick or that just that but
1: almost he's, desperation. He's thing actually he pretty smart because he does the good taps on the on the ground instead of trying to pick it up and getting tackled. He does tap it to advantage mm. the players, and there was a play on. Go through if you watch the replay. Go through fire and I It was, would have been the second quarter. Might have even been the first. Rioli broke out the back and he tapped it in front of himself and was trying to. Obviously, he saw Cox and thought, if I get past him, I'm gonna go. And he tried to kick it off the ground. And instead of you know putting a bump on or anything, coxy literally laid a standing tackle in in football terms or soccer terms a standing tackle on him, and the ball went out of bounds. Most of the blokes were overcommitted or tried to dive on the ball or try to just body and probably give away a free kick to, to Rioli but he literally just stood there and did a standing tackle like he would in football Yeah. and went out of bounds and stopped Rioli and he, he shot it was just stuff like that that Coxie does that people don't actually pick up on because they worry about stats and all that but he does a lot of that stuff he's a very very yeah, smart man he is and that's you know Especially on Twitter, the social media, very funny man. He's had a very good week, Holcoxie, I'll give him that for sure. Alright, we'll go a little
0: bit to the losers now. Before the final series, you said that only Richmond can beat Richmond. Did they end up beating themselves?
1: Yeah, well, you can't go throughout the year just expecting to lose clearances like they have. And they're, they're, they're very lucky they've got a bloody good back line. They've got some very, very good players in that back line and they've held them in good stead. All year, uh, and you know, Kingy actually spoke about this today. I'm not a massive Kingy fan, but he, was, he made some it made some sense. Him and Luffy on uh, Sen, the the fact that they could get out back and help each other out, and they play out loose paw the ball and everything like that. But they got exposed by Colin Wood's run running gun and the the effectiveness of Grundy around the stoppages, the second ruckman, and then yeah, it just all fell apart there. From and Lux you probably didn't take your opportunities early. You had a few hmm. what really early you missed and Collingwood's got a run and you know but to be fair we've been with you twice this year for two, two and a half quarters we've st- stuck to the pressure we've probably having our best team in I think I said this last mm. week so, you know it's probably going to be a bit closer than I think but it, you've probably run over us at the end but I think having our best team for the year probably I mean obviously you can't play the injured players but you know did Gary play and all those boys played How wasn't knocked out in the first couple of minutes mm. so that's those sorts of things allow us to have that confidence and have that belief and who knows what happens this week but yeah Richmond were a bit fumbly and probably weren't expecting the pressure or the heat to come that did and they didn't adapt and I think they'll be back next year. I'm very interested to see how this Lynch thing plays out next year because obviously Rance has come out and said you know he doesn't want it to happen and then obviously he got whipped back into shape after that and a few of the players came out and said oh yeah no, we want it to happen, we want it to happen Few players are on the way out, so conquers one and maybe a couple others. I wonder how it's gonna play out. He's a very good player coming in, and he'll help you out, no doubt. But that I think you have to change your game plan slightly as well. Uh, and you, if you get him in, i that that answers that second ruck thing, not having a Greg to play ruck anymore. Because yeah, you got to expose that to happen too. Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. And so in terms of their year, would you say that they get a pass mark for the season, or was that an opportunity missed?
1: Definitely opportunity missed. But I think they'll be back. They'll probably win it next year. Yeah. Yeah, They're a very good team.
0: And is it going to be in a sense of like a Geelong-type length of success of that multiple grand finals in five years, or is it going to be they're in the thick of it now, but you don't see them staying at the the very top for more than,
1: you know, two or three seasons? A lot will start to depend on injuries and what talent they lose here in Lynch because obviously they're paying a lot of money. They're already paying Martin a lot of money as well. So, yeah, it depends on that. My thing will be, like, they obviously picked up a couple of bad injuries before the prelim this week. Yep. Uh, and they decided to play them. But when you look at it, really, the last two years, you've had no injuries to key players. Mm. So it's surely that surely that has to change at some point.
0: Statistically speaking, yes. But, then, yeah. you know, you never know what's happened there. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to a team that didn't have any significant injuries. They just have a very injured ego, and that is Melbourne. West Coast defeated them convincingly, 121 to Melbourne's Putrid 55, and shout-outs to any Melbourne fans that flew over or drove the Nullarbor uh, to get there because you uh, obviously needed a very stiff drink afterwards. Probably, so, probably probably drove off a bridge or something on the way back. Just, just left the car in the desert. Is it too simple, Baz, or just too crude to say
1: bathwater? Yeah, we bashed Melbourne a bit, but really, they had a pretty, pretty good draw. They did. Yeah. They won the games they needed to win, and they lost the games that they lost. Yeah, and they had, you know they finished off the season okay. yet yeah, well done. They played Geelong, who you know got into the finals thanks to some pretty easy games at the end of the season where they won by 100 plus points. You know, Brisbane, Gold Coast, Fremantle. Yeah, arguably Geelong should have made the finals. They knocked them off first week. Well done. We all tipped that. They played Hawthorne and you know if you watched them play Hawthorne last week, you know again we spoke before the game like but. They struggled last week in Hawthorne with a bit more depth or one or two injuries playing. They would have beaten Melbourne last week mm. and there was no chance that they played like that coming into, you know, this week They were going to be a chance. And then they were fumbly, they turned it over. And they lost <laughs> in their own game. They exactly, turned, they yeah. turned it over
0: handballing it from stoppage. They yeah. lost it on the inside against one of the weaker contested ball teams in the competition. Yeah,
1: so, they, you know, weaker West Kisnes' ball and the worst ground ball team in the comp by far. Mm. But they got smashed. In every, They laid 30 tackles to halftime or something, and like 10 of them were inside four hundred and fifty. It's It was just, yeah, really, really bad. And then, yeah, Jordy Lewis had a stinker, and he blamed it on the Grippo on uh, 360 last night, so that was interesting. And apparently he's going around again. I don't know how he get. he still gets another year, but Bernie Vince hangs up his boots. But anyway, for some reason, I don't know why, and he did it after about 10, 15 minutes when, when I'm getting smashed he put Tom McDonald behind the ball then they lost all forward structure going forward so if you're going to play Tom McDonald back you obviously did to play another, another, another target forward, yeah. so the Smith ended up going forward but you're like Ooh, what's mm. you brought him in to play Fritch's role so he should be back and yeah it's just a bit weird the, how he panicked a bit I think and yeah it, he probably got out coached a bit as well and outplanned um maybe I should have played Pedersen or something like that to help him, you know, structure it better. For me, I, you know, I've been saying it for the last few weeks, I'd be getting rid of Hogan, and they are, and, you know... They- well, there's question marks.
0: Hogan wants out now, which is a very strange thing, because he's been in that club, it's copped a lot of crap over his years, yep. and they're finally getting some moderate success, and
1: uh, now he's said, no, nah, I don't want this. Well, he's going to go... So, my understanding is he's going, obviously in the papers now, but yeah, he's pretty much going over there, and will get a good pick back, and they'll get May. But I, I thought they would have wanted, you know, to pick up King or something like that to help. They've obviously got and Young, Ford get King, one of the King boys, to go with him. Um, but yeah, they're going to try and get May and like they're back on with you know May and Lever for next season, but, which they need because they do leak goals. And we said that last week; they leak a lot of goals. And they, you know, Frost and um, McDonald do a job, but they're probably not the number one and two key backmen especially against forwards like that and Ryan and Rioli just ran wild and they had no one with any speed to keep up with them and maybe Jaden Hunt should have played just for that speed but I don't think that would have made a difference no, no matter what they did on the weekend they would have got smashed I think.
0: yeah and, uh, West Coast were a formidable outfit and we have always were concerned about them if they had their front six there and fit and on on form Cause they've had games where the the smalls in uh, Rioli and Ryan have kicked three each. They've had games where the two talls in in Darling and Kennedy have kicked three each. And then they had this game where everyone was just on.
1: They just control the ball so well, mm. as well. So they they take those little short kicks, they set up, and they as soon as they get an opportunity, they switch. And they come back again, so they shift the zone. And yeah, they move the ball so well, and they're very very good, you know, kicking team. A little bit of Hawthorn sort of stuff, but with some variances, but and then when they get in trouble they just kick it along down the line to your Lysets your, your Darlings parties. your Kennedys your you know, played a good game and their midfield you know missing uh, Gaff obviously still got you know Venom was pitched in Hutchins is always pitching in uh, She played his probably best game so you got other blokes that are chipping in Redden also like you know he's one of the favourites for the Norman Smith so they were very very good and Melbourne were just pathetic and we know that Melbourne can be a bit Week mentally I don't know how this will affect them going forward well,
0: that's one really of my questions so obviously last year we had funnels Gate when they missed out by percentage is this a and they obviously made a big step forward this season from that but is this another another stepping stone a loss they needed to have a uh, Set back one step forward. Take two step. One step backward. To take two steps forward. Or is it a proper mental scar that will again just be added to the long list of mental scars that Melbourne, oh. Melbourne players have? Especially because coming into this, the whole final season was you know Nathan Jones now gets
1: to like exorcise his demons. Yeah, and- and didn't lay a tackle in the final on the weekend. So I don't know how it work, but it, the game on the weekend, that game did remind me of a lot of Port Adelaide, Richmond a few years ago, and Richmond have obviously come out of, of that all right. So it just depends on their culture and their you know, leadership within the group and the coaching staff to get it, get it out. Know, we'll talk about a bit more about final scars, about West Coast coming up. But yeah, how they how they set themselves next year when they get to the finals, if they make the finals. <laughs> so, I mean, it's going to be a tough competition next year with some of the trades you're hearing and you know, the club's getting some injured players back. It's going to be another even year.
0: My last point would be, again, on that culture of Melbourne. I kind of feel like there's a little bit of a G2S still about them in the sense that we had the hyphen and he's much, uh, much publicised comments about, I now play for a club. I, I used to play for just myself and the boys. I think you see that... So there's two examples I had this week with... Cox came out, obviously, all over social media, but he's in on the joke. So he's doing it with a former club legend. He's doing it, obviously, with the permission of the club. And and everyone's in on it, and it's very lighthearted and it's from a great place. And then you have Brayshaw's... Uh, social dig at the AFL for not copying an invite even though he finished third yeah. and that's a very me-centric comment it's not about like oh great season great to come third shout church to, to Gourney as well for coming sixth or whatever yeah. it's very oh no I missed out where's my celebration Yeah, and I feel like that's they're both kind of the same action they're both on social they're both having a dig or having, you know, having a jab or whatever but I think one comes from a very club team involving Aspect and one comes a bit more of a selfish, me first attitude. Yeah. Well, and they have to fix that, I think, because I think there's a lot of those performances where, if it gets too hard, like it did on
1: Saturday, it all you're all going through your shells and it's all preservation as opposed to team first. There's a lot of top end talent in that on that list as well at Melbourne. Don't forget they've bottomed out a few times and got a lot of top end talent on that list. So maybe it you know, is a bit of JWS. You know, I've always been a dominant junior footballer coming in here. It's just going to happen. Because a lot of these kids, like they have success throughout their junior career, because they're obviously a gun. And I think sometimes they get to the big stage and they think, no, it's just a happen. I don't need to work hard. And You need that bloke there to you know, show them how you need to work." Like a Trelaw, he has a gym pretty much set up in his house. He finishes training, and probably goes home and trains like he's an animal. That, that's sort of like a gold sack. Like mm. imagine having him around. And I, I think a lot of their culture issues, like, still go back to when Martin Hill was there, and I think they still like. It takes a long time to change. Because you've got players that are still there. So they've still got old habits that don't die. I still think they'll be a good side next year. And, but I don't think they're... I think they're a long way. Are you buying tickets to the bandwagon? It no, no definitely bandwagon. not. Especially if they, you know, they get May in and they've got Lever and May down back. And that's all... All of a sudden their four-line you know, is relying heavily on Weedering. We saw that in the weekend. Their four-line you know, struggled a bit. So... Yeah, it's interesting. Very, very interesting. All right. And if... Say Lewis does go on, is and he holds his spot. Does that mean Melbourne have gotten stronger or weaker?
0: With Lewis in there, yeah. If he's, he's, if he's well, he's sta- he's clearly stayed. This it can't get stronger because he's not going to be
1: any better next year. Exactly. So if he's still playing round one next year across half back,
0: they have they have stayed the same or, or the same.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah,
0: Speaking of very interesting, barrel spice is always very interesting. And usually this is this is a quiet news week usually, because it's only it's only one match between two teams. So there's 44 players, a couple of coaches, a couple of club identities, maybe a few celebrities, but uh, a lot of puff pieces. A lot of how good is it for X? How great is it for Y? Oh, did you know? Fun facts. Yeah. No real news. But can you bring us some uh, some great A fire?
1: Well, it's the same as um, probably about the bye weeks when all these you know the shit news stories come in about. You know, mid-season draft, all that stuff. There's the one about, oh, the MCG's, you know, holding a interstate team that's finished higher. It's been at the MCG Grand Final for 100 and... have 20 years. Get over it. It's going to stay there for another 50. Stop bringing that up because it's a load of crap. Just go out and do some proper media stuff. Like, today I heard Josh Jenkins speak about last year and how it affected him and how... It, what Why he played so poor in the grand final. Why don't we hear more of that? It was a great interview, great insight. We should be hearing more of that. There should be more articles on that sort of stuff. You know, leave the kind of West Coast players alone. They've got enough to deal with. But, you know, go back to even, you know, try and get an article with Delhouse on how he's feeling, you know, with the whole Bob Murphy situation, or try and get them to find some peace, or, you know, where's Libby going? You know, maybe some more trade talk or something. But don't bring up stuff like the MCG, you know, they should be playing at home because they finished higher. It won't change in in the next 50 years. It's been the same for the last 120. The players know about it. The teams know about it. West Coast, even now their ground is pretty much the exact same as the MCG. So even Simpson during the week said he wanted to keep it the same as Subiaco, more narrow. But they changed it and it changed their game style. And it's worked for them. Mm. It's a blessing in disguise. So, I'm pretty sure they'll be fine playing MCG. They're just happy they made the grand final. They're happy to be the home team, whatever. But just can we just leave the crap same old article that's happened the last four years, grand final week with Adelaide, Sydney, and whoever else has made it. Yeah, Freo. Eh? Freo. Oh, just forget it and just move. Look forward to the game. Speak to people. Get some actual news out there. The only
0: thing I will say is it just sucks for fans because... It's a pretty tough ask for a West Coast fan to cop the
1: $1,000 return flight to try and get out of here to watch the game. It's the same for Melbourne last week. It's the same every year, though. If if you back your team in, book the tickets early.
0: Yeah, and if not, just palm them off. Who wants the flight? Here you go. And then you get some money back. Come to Melbourne for a holiday. Why not? And it's a great time of year. Spring carnival's best for start. Just do it. Just book it in advance. All right, mine is about the Brownlow. We watched it at a very empty pub because apparently no one cares anymore. Why is that bad? Because I think the Brownlow's a joke. It is. Everyone says it's a midfielder's medal, and I agree. So out of the top of 2013 were midfielders. We had two rebounding defenders, two rucks, one uh, full forward, and, and a couple of utility-type players. So if you don't get a lot of the pill, it's basically fantasy stats. Like you could just take who leads Super Coach for the Year. Congratulations, you're the brown Medalist at the yep. moment. Then you've got other ridiculous anomalies during the count. And no offence to Marley Williams. You got three votes in round two with a 14-touch full clang a game. If you're turning the ball every five possessions, you're probably not best on
1: ground. And you're a back and you're playing a small, so you're only getting 14 touches. We, I was sitting there with you, and, we, and I went, hang on a minute, Marley Williams getting three votes, and we looked up the stats, and we went a bit nuts on social, but we weren't the only one. And then... And then
0: you had the opposite of that. So, Dane Beams had a 32-disposal, 5-goal, 11-score involvement games. He used the pill at 75% over 32 touches, not a skerrick of a vote given in his game round 11 against North Melbourne. So, is it just time to say oh. the Brownlow Medal is an amalgamation of all the other awards? It you go, let's take the coaches' votes, let's take the players' votes, let's take the media votes, put them all together, there's your
1: Brownlow Medalist. He did kick a few of those goals late in the last quarter. It was too late, like the game was over. And people were saying, well, they did get beaten by a big margin. Well, Nat Five got it three votes when they got done by 77 points by Richmond. But I'm a big one for the Coaches Award because the Coaches butt on it. They know what roles they're each playing, and they obviously watch the game pretty closely. So I love the Coaches Award. I think that's great. I think that's the one you want to look at. Um, And there's some other, like the Players Association Awards as well, which is pretty... Pretty good. You know, they, they vote on their own stuff, which is good because you get, you know, um, you're rewarded for, or um, you get... Acknowledged. Acknowledged for your peers, so that's good. But yeah, the umpires have lost the plot.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And I think I, I would personally... You can't get rid of the Brown because obviously it's very historic. It's a tradition. You need that. And the Best and Fairest is... All, like, everyone has a Best and Fairest. And- you need a League Best and Fairest, but... Take a borrow. We love borrowing from the overseas. We love borrowing from the US sports. Borrow from the NBA. Like the NBA MVP is voted on by media and coaches and players, and then it's a combined
1: weighted system.
0: So that should be that should be legit. Those three people should know what's going on yeah. in football land.
1: You've also got umpires, and you know we've heard a lot of stories on Monday leading up to the Brownlow from ex-players that know for a fact and have been told by umpires they didn't get votes in certain games because. Yeah, Boris didn't like him. Mm. So that, that's unfair. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and it's just like the umpires have a tough enough job trying to get the rules right because the rules are often ridiculous. Yeah. Let alone trying to, with you know, you've got to communicate with three other umpires and two boundary umpires and a goal umpire, do the score reviews. It's all going on. It's all crazy. And at the end of that to be like, oh, who actually played well? It's just all a bit too much in my opinion. Probably yet you know, another thing we brought up during our spicy segment, which uh, will never change, but we're just playing the seed. We're playing the seed for change, and hopefully someone runs away with it in AFL House and just... Yeah,
1: fix the brown low. Don't fix, Don't change rules.
0: Just fix the brown let everything else be, and uh, hands in the back, credit for that. Credit yeah, and credit team. for no
1: compensation
0: picks. Well done. Actually, well two, done. two little wins for AFL this Well week. done. <laughs> Grand Final Preview starts right now with West Coast. Strangely enough, being $2.25 outsiders against Collingwood, who are $1.68 favourites. The line here is 7.5, the over-under, a very healthy 162. They will, of course, be playing at the MCG. And despite the line saying that West Coast is the underdog, who is the actual favourites here? Because West Coast did finish higher up. They've won both times against Collingwood. But Collingwood do get to play at home, much to the chagrin of our interstate fans. It's 2 0 for the Wiggles this year, round 17. They beat Collingwood 102 to 67 at the MCG. They coming into that match, they were considered flat track bullies. They were considered a one-man team. They were considered a team that couldn't travel. And they were that was again. The they smashed all those myths. They beat a very decent side in Collingwood that day. They had their one-man Nick Nat go down and missed the rest of the season, and they could travel, and they can play the MCG, possibly mostly due to the fact that now they have a ground that replicates the same size. And then only three weeks ago, qualifying final West Coast, 86, beat Collingwood 70. They got much closer that time, Collingwood, but it was that time the Twin Towers got up, three goals each, and uh, were just too good in the day. So, Baz, with
1: all that considered, why aren't the Eagles favourites? Well, the first time we played them, if you look at the first probably quarter and half to half, of the game. We actually put a lot of pressure on them and they butchered the footy a bit. And because of the way they play, they're very easy to score against on after turnovers because there's a lot of space and a lot of players are open. Unfortunately, that day, we didn't take our chances. I think we kicked something ridiculous like four goals, nine. Or it was, I can't remember off the top of my head, but we had 15, 16 scoring shots to the half. We had about five more than what they did, but we're only, I think we are down, maybe. Or it was only a couple of points difference. In the qualifying final... Our midfield won the footy and nullified their midfield, which went a long way to us being in front for the whole for most of the game. But in that last quarter, Yo just tore us apart. So he's contested ball and they they smashed us in that area. And, and if you get get good enough ball movement and you know, give their forward space one on one opportunities, they're going to beat our defence because it's too big and strong and we're missing too many. So I think for about eighty percent of that game, you know, we were in front and doing well, and the, the twenty was what let us down. I, they should be favourites because I think if they play their best football and they just even have they 50 inside 50 inside fifty entries each, they win because they're, they're a lot more dangerous going forward. That, yep. that, our, our back line is depleted. They've got some gun forwards and not only got like two good talls, but like Vardy floating in and Lysett as well. But they've got some really creative sm- smalls. So Cripps, uh, we spoke about Ryan and Rioli already. Uh, Venerables was good last week, but and Lacras, you know, his form's lifted. Cripps has had a really, really good year and probably falls under the radar a bit. And all their, all their, all their forwards are just dangerous. Mm. Like, you just can't lock down a one. And probably the the biggest one, it's probably the hearse. I reckon he's he's probably my roughie for I don't know what his odds are, but Lewis Jeter. If he gets the footy across half back and someone doesn't do a lockdown job on him he would cut us open because if he be like steel, uses the footy really well, takes those dangerous kicks and hits them nine times out of ten. I don't know, in the first quarter or second quarter, he hit uh, Yo up on a kick that was just ludicrous against Melbourne and it just opened everything up. It was you know went over the top of two and it landed in between about four Melbourne blokes, but that kick was so, so spot on and Yo obviously pretty good overhead as well. It just, yeah, opened up Melbourne, which wasn't easy. I mean, it was pretty easy anyway on Saturday, but yeah, they got some very good talented players and I mean I haven't even brought up McGovern or Shuey. Hmm. They got lots of lots of talent there.
0: So that forward line seems to be the major draw card for West Coast this week. How would you go about breaking that down? Where do you is it a case of you just back it back your back your system in or do you have to pay special attention to certain players? I
1: don't know about backing his system in you know, I think if we win the mid if we win the midfield contest and like we did on Friday night it'll mm-hmm. go a long long way for us to beat them and our pressure has to be up we need to bring the heat as everyone's been talking about this week because we want to f- force them to turn the footy over by foot which will again open them up yeah. and we just need to take our opportunities when we do that I think you know Gold Sachs going to go to Kennedy Howe's probably going to go to Darling um, and then Langdon Greenwood uh, Maynard those sorts of blokes will look after them, their players themselves Aish um, it's the one thing I'd I do worry about and what Buckley, see where Buckley's going to do. And, you know, it was spoken about on the couch as well the other night is that their fours play up really high and then they try and get the ball on the outside. They did a bit like what Steel Sidebottom did on Friday night, where he just stood out in the middle of nowhere and said, Come to me. If they don't, then I'm going to get the footy. Mm. They do a lot of that. And the backmen don't know whether they go with them or stay back and help out because they've got, you know, Kennedy and, and Darling to help out their teammates. and if they let them get out in the space on the weekend, then we're going to be in a lot of trouble because they're very quick, they're smart, and they use a the footy bloody well. Yep, I definitely agree with all of that.
0: All right, so you mentioned there as well, McGovern is possibly the best player in the competition at the moment, regardless of where you polled in the Brownlow medal. Do you have to send someone, do you have to sacrifice a forward to go with McGovern and make him accountable? Much like you did to Rance. Rance was held accountable had to focus on his man first and then he couldn't be that third man or the interceptor or just the rebounder. Do you do that? And if you do that, who do, who do you send to McGovern?
1: It'll be interesting to see how he pulls up. Apparently he's got, you know, his little hip stinger. hip stinger or broken ribs, whatever it is he's got. So we've, we've played my Check on him twice and it hasn't worked. Um, and Main worked both times as well when he went on him late. So see, for me, I think that my Check should probably go back. I think that'll throw a lot of... Th- a lot of spam in the works if my check went and played back he's obviously a backman send him back have main Ford play on on uh McGovern and make make him accountable or, or that, or, a bit like what we did with Rance we played um goey out of the goal square for the whole game and Rance, someone had to go with him he's that dangerous someone has to mm. watch him and if Cox and Degoe get dangerous then McGovern's going to have to actually make up his mind and oh, I've got to stand in front of this bloke so, a lot, a lot of it comes down to Barras and how well he plays if he backs it up. They definitely will be blocking Coxie and make sure he doesn't get a clean run at it. So, again, if an umpire makes nearly a call, that could throw a span and it works a bit as well. I think they're really going to miss Shepard because uh, he's a, a gun defender, especially a small defender. And that's probably somewhere where we've got an advantage with our smalls. But we just need to kick around McGovern and it probably doesn't suit our game style though because we like to move the ball quick and run. In, if we then kick around McGovern, it needs to be a bit like West Coast. We hold to the footy and move it slowly. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think we can negate McGovern just by the fact of our ball movement. If we're good with our ball movement and going inside 50, because it doesn't matter how good a defender is, how good he is at reading of play. If we hit the right kicks and our forwards do the right job and lead, he's got to make a decision to go somewhere. Yeah. So we don't want to be dump kicking it in, unless it's the Coxie he's got space to run to. We want to be hitting up players. I think if we make sure we use our hit-ups, then he will be, he'll be negated.
0: Yeah. And so you mentioned there the style of footy. You do have a little... You're not, not chaos footy, as what no one called their game style, but you have a very much an like aggressive roll-and-go type game style. Yep. Does that suit a matchup against a tempoed footy team like West Coast? Because they have the ability to do it, and we saw that with both Ryan and Rioli, if they want to just tap on and make slightly slow halfbacks look silly they will yeah, yeah. but in general they like to kick and mark and take the obvious option yeah. and work their way methodically down the field do you want to try and bring this game into the contested chaos or do you? are you happy just to apply the pressure to the, to the man on the mark and apply the pressure to the kick
1: we we, ch- we, we generally handball out of trouble so we're a high possession team we're, we're always handball to a on the move running through harder to tackle he gains extra 5-10 minutes I don't know about chaos we don't really don't kick ball, no. the ball forward or anything like that. We do over-possess the footy. And, you know, I went through all the stats and it's the only real... You know, we're pretty much matching in everything except obviously ground balls and clearances are pretty even. Um, but we, we they kick a lot more than us, obviously, and we handball a lot more than them and we've averaged more than 50 disposals. I think they're one of the worst disposals. They're the least disposal team in the club. Yeah. So we're not more of a chaos and I think that's a problem because you just look at their record against Melbourne... I mean, obviously, they lost to Melbourne in the uh, West at near the end of the season. They obviously missing a few players. But against the chaos teams like us and Richmond this year, they've they've knocked us off with that kick-possessed style. I think it's more the pressure we need to bring. We need to make sure they feel the pressure. And I hear a lot during the week about, you know, the 15 blokes that played really poorly against Hawthorne in 15. And those blokes, some of those blokes have said they've forgotten about it. Some of those blokes want to... Um, you know I, a point. Uh, prove a point well, that puts more pressure on you I reckon for me personally that would put more pressure on you you'd feel a lot more if you want oh, I want to prove a point prove a point because all week you think about oh, I'm going to prove a point I'm to prove a be like Josh Jenkins said today it just becomes draining and you get out there and all of a sudden you're, you're just mentally drained mm. but then you have the opposite effect of that with all the climbing boys who, you know most of them are playing for their, in their first grand final and just have you know no idea what's going on and just sucking it all in and but yeah, it's be interesting. It's very tough and a lot of experts are having a lot of trouble. But for me, I just think if West Coast can halve the midfield contest and play well, play their, their, you know, play good footy, even if we are playing good footy, I think they're still better than us just because their four lines are so dangerous against our back line.
0: Yeah. And
1: in the last couple of
0: years, especially Grand Finals have been high-scoring affairs and the team that take their chances do it really well. The last little spin that works for me will be what. What do you do with Steele if you're the West Coast coaching staff? So you go the hard tag early, or do you wait for him to get off the chain? Because well, this final series alone, he's averaging 31 disposals and 428 meters gained. He's arguably been the best player of, of September so far. Yeah. Do you, yeah, do you sacrifice the Hutchings early on and just say let's let's make sure he doesn't get hot, or do you wait for wait and see and, and just back
1: your team in to be better? I reckon Elliot Yeo will get a tag. Yeah. Because he's, he's pivotal. Uh, so someone will go with him for sure. Oh, if, if they do tag Steele, Buckley will, it, you don't have to be blind Freddie to realize that someone might tag Steele. So you have a plan for him, whether it means he goes to halfback okay. and that means Hutchinson has to play him a halfback. So you, you lose a forward or whether Steele goes forward and he has gone forward this year. And he is so creative and so smart. He will I don't care how good Hutchings is, mm. he's probably going to be pretty dangerous up forward on Hutchings. And if Hutchings does him, he goes forward, it just, it just relieves pressure on someone else. I've heard a lot about, you know, tagging uh, Taylor Adams. But he's a, you know, it's a bit tough to tag him, I think, because he's, he's an inside player. Um, if I if I was them, I'd just be trying to, A, make sure that Goey doesn't get any space and frustrate him, just try something different with him. B, make sure Cox doesn't get any space to run at it. And you've seen throughout our final series, we've struggled to kick scores. Yeah. So, and it would be interesting to see West Coast playing with Brodie Grundy as well, because obviously they had a plan with and It's been you know, much publicised, and it's just to see what what Bucks throws up. Like I said, I, I wouldn't be, I would seriously consider throwing my cheek back and maybe even throw Goldsack forward or, you know, just try something a bit bit different because they won't be expecting it. I mean, it could if it backfires it may be made to look stupid but if it works God then he'll be getting the poor and send will so yeah it's really interesting to set up and so I right, know it's Greenwood's probably going to get a lockdown job on one of the one of their forwards probably Lacroix or something like that yeah it's going to be a pretty good game I reckon it'll be close for a while yeah and especially if the weather's no good I think that probably plays into our hands a bit but especially those tours but it's yeah it's going to be a really good game
0: Yeah. So a couple of little interesting stats around, you know, over under lines and margins in grand finals. The average grand final margin since 2000 is 32 points. 5 goals is the average margin, the median margin is 26. So there's been eight by less than 24 inside that that four goal bracket and 11 by more than 24 and eight of those being more than 40. So again, as we say in most finals, once your season's done, you're done. Your season's done, actually, and there's a massive chance of a blow.
1: There's actually spoke about this today that the the average margin over over the last five years has grown in finals in general, and it's because we reckon it's because of that, like the whole you know you done it like, even on Melbourne West Coast they know they've done at half time they don't get the goal they're not coming back from sixty plus, mm. so that's why the second half was a train It was Richmond's side that believed they got back within twenty one points, but yeah, it's it's interesting that sort of stuff I, I just think that it might be the time it might be time for the hoodoo to break so the last five years have been you know Interstate versus Victorian club Victorian clubs have won um you know the last two years have been feel good stories you know Richmond winning and Western Bulldogs. if Climb won it would be three years in a row the feel good story around the whole Buck situation you know Meyer, Czech, Cox those sorts of things uh Goldsack uh and yeah I just think it's time for a few of those Curses to be broken.
0: For the last time this year, our feature bets. And I've gone a little bit more structured with this one. Obviously, there's only one game, so you need to fill that bed sheet. A, just to calm those nerves on grand final day. you the party, you get something else to talk about other than, hey, Baz, will climb win? Hey, Baz, will climb win win? You can offer off something different. So, the usuals will obviously be the best, the value, the roughy, and the multi. But then we're also going to throw in the norm. Uh, the first goal kicker and uh, leading goal scorer as your three regular barbecue-type bets. If you're going to do a pool, if you're going to do a sweep, whatever, make sure you get the right name out of the hat. All right, so we'll leading off with our best, Baz. All uh, right, well, I just think West Coast will win at 225 is the best. That is a very pessimistic way to look at it from your half, mate. Sorry, mate. But uh, also, if you are a kindwood fan, this is the best option, I reckon. Yeah. Because obviously gamble responsibly... But if you can afford to lose some money, then you lose it, and you win, and you don't care. But if you lose, your bet gets up, so you don't feel so bad. Yeah, correct. Or at least your commiseration
1: drinks are free for the yeah. day. <laughs> All right, value. Uh, value is West Coast 13 to 24 at half time, which is
0: $6. Uh, rough, rough?
1: Well, but that should probably be my rough buff, because it was actually $6, but I've gone, <laughs> uh, Collingwood score between and seventy five points. Yep which is $4, and West Coast to score 76 to 90 points, which is $3.30.
0: Yep. So a lower scoring grand funnel to buffer trend a little bit there?
1: Yeah, the conditions won't help.
0: All right, for those ballot slots at the barbecue, Norm Smith, who do you reckon is going to get
1: that, All right, uh, So I've gone uh, two or three uh, two or three from each team. Yep. It's just to cover who wins, and I haven't gone your favorites. So, you know, you obviously got Steelers, your Yo's, your... Gunnies and Treloars and Kennedys of the world and even McGovern I've gone the Outsiders so I've gone for uh, Willie Rioli so yep. Rioli name they love a big stage uh, Lewis Jeddah like I said his kicking could be very very dangerous uh, so there's two for there and for Collingwood I reckon if, if Collingwood our back would we'll have to be really good and how we'll have to, be, have to play a major role um, and the other one is the, our hard running midfielder a winger who didn't get a vote on at Bradley Knight, which surprised me considering uh, how many stats, how good his year has been, especially stats-wise and how hard he runs. You know, he goes 15, 16 Ks a game. That's uh, uh, Phillips. So I reckon he could be a, a little Tom Phillips, could be a cheeky a little outsider as well. And they're like anywhere between 61 and $51. So, you know, Willie Roll is 51 House Howe's 34 Phillips is 26 and Millerioli was around the 30s as well, I think. So, yeah, there's a bit of value there for you. Yep. So, my only
0: two other day that you haven't mentioned would be Jack Darling at $19. Yep. I think they'll put a lot of attention into Candy. Obviously, he's the big alpha dog in the West Coast Eagles forward line, which would allow Darling to do what he does best and uh, do the old Joe the Goose a couple of times, but takes a couple of grabs as well. And if he kicks around about five or six. I think that's what you need is a four to win a norm and he could easily do that. Uh, the other one is Big Coxie. So Big Coxie, $34 to win the norm. If he repeats what he did last week, he almost gets it, I reckon. A, because it's, it's a little bit of the American factor, like, oh my God, this is incredible. But also, if he takes any swagger, but if he, almost my hot take for the whole game will be, if the opening if the opening minutes passage involves Cox taking a contested mark and kicking a goal, Colin would win. <laughs> I will call it within three minutes like I did against Richmond when he went back and slotted that and was like if Cox is kicking straight we are done and we were done but yeah if he has another eight to ten contested well eight marks inside 50 or contested marks and kicks four to five then he's clearly going to have a massive influence in the game and I reckon he could be a great shout for Norm and uh, fairy Tale. that would be the
1: ultimate fairy. the ultimate imagine oh, it would go nuts the American uh, press would love it he'd be on sports centre alright First goal kicker, everyone's favourite.
0: Usually over by about three minutes in. Yeah, one very happy person at the barbecue and about 20 other very unhappy people. Yeah.
1: Uh, Who's going to be your pick? Uh, Josh Thomas for Collingwood and either Jamie Cripps or William Rioli for West Coast. Yep. I have
0: gone a little bit more inside there. I've gone to Goey, who's still paying $9. Yep. And uh, he's kicked... He's kicked the first goal in a couple of world games this year. He is that option. He's that very creative and can mark above head. Yep. Uh, the other one would be, just for a little bit of uh, back to the future, Travis Varko is paying $23 for the first goal. So he's another one that could win the... And uh, win. and he could he could be there, thereabouts. So he does
1: love to kick a freaky goal in a final, as you will remember. And, uh, yeah, and uh, he's obviously had... You know, that would be another good story as well. I, I, I would... Almost guarantee he will retire no matter the result this week. So that could be another fairy tale if he if Colin will win he goes out that way, especially with what's happened to him in the last few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, most goals. Did you have a look at that? Or did you yeah, just... I
0: did, and I just had the two. I reckon the two obvious choices there will be uh, Kennedy if
1: West Coast win, and Dugouy if uh, Colin would win. See, I've gone Josh Thomas and again Willioli really, really, or. Um, Cripps because I just think that, yeah, Jamie Cripps is so much attention is been on the bigs, and you know I've spoken about conditions already. The smalls, the small fours, are going to play a big part in this. And Thomas has been a good goal kicking mid for uh, small for us this year, and Cripps and Rioli obviously have done the same for them. And most of the I am actually going. I am going to go a bit like you, go back a bit. I reckon Scott Penelby could be. He could pull out an old, old sort of. Scott penalty game here. He's set himself for this. I've heard a few of the boys talk during the week about you know what what this means, and I heard Bucks today, and I reckon he could be up and about old Pendles. One little word of caution though is obviously we've said all year don't listen to Baz when it
0: comes to Collingwood because he's he's almost too negative. He's almost too negative in in not backing his own team in. Also, I reckon don't this is the one game we've struggled with. It's a very small sample size. We've had we've done two grand finals together on one of the odds, yeah. and uh, we're very conservative. I think when it comes to trying taking the easier option, yeah. And so we took the easy option last year. We went with Adelaide. We've taken the easy option this year and gone with uh, with West Coast. So uh, I think for everything except for the result, we're going to be spot on, yeah, as usual, getting great winners. But maybe head to head, just go with what you're thinking instead of listening to us, because we are a little
1: bit fence this week, because it's it's hard. It's hard, especially when it's going to be close, apparently. It's very hard. And I just want to say, good luck to any punter that's still going on Sunday afternoon after this weekend. You've got uh, the Moyer more Stakes on Friday night at Mooney Valley. You've got, obviously, Sydney races on on uh, Saturday. I think the um, Metrop's on Saturday. Then you've got Sunday, you know, Flemington. So, yeah, good luck. You've got the Grand Finals as well in there, and the NRL Grand final So, So it's a busy week. Yeah, it's a busy weekend. I hope you did some other time last week, boys, because uh, it could be a big weekend on the punt, or it could be, you could be eating 2 minutes next week.